Well, thanks for joining us, guys. This is another episode of the Viewpoints podcast. Viewpoints is a virtual podcast where we talk to the founders, entrepreneurs, and investors that are building the metaverse. And we're really, really thrilled this time around to have Orla from SideQuest join us, uh, and also my co-host, Petri Raya-Halme. Petri and I uh, are from FOV Ventures. If you haven't seen Viewpoints before, then please go to uh, medium.com forward slash viewpoints dash podcast, and you can see the previous episodes um, that we've had with, with many guests now. Um, you can also sign up to the Viewpoints newsletter. We'll give you the link at the end. But yeah, for now, I'm just really excited to have all on board, and we're going to talk a bit more about SideQuest, their journey, their fundraise um, that they've just announced, and, and much more besides. So, Ola, let's dive right in. Maybe you can tell us, for, for people watching on the podcast, what is SideQuest exactly? And how's the journey been so far? Like, what was the origin story of SideQuest? So SideQuest is a, a content platform for, for virtual reality. It's a place where users can go and just get some extra stuff that isn't necessarily available on the main stores. I guess our origin story is a little odd because we didn't actually set out with the intent to be a content platform. Um, we were actually building a social app and basically we were building that for, for Quest One. Um, and it was a little while before Quest One launched that Facebook, of course, announced that they were going to be highly curating the store. And we pitched our app and unfortunately got declined like many others. But it was a real blow at the time because of course you don't know why you've been knocked back. And you're, you're kind of stuck with two options of like, right, do we shelve the game and all the time and work we've put in? Or do we find some other way to get this on the device and, and get some feedback. And, and so that was really how Innocent SideQuest started. It was really just for us to put our app on the device through the developer workflow and get some feedback. But I guess because of like the bit of a PR storm that was happening at the time, that other developers were also in the same situation, that there was just a bit of a community established from that kind of trauma, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, and. The idea was that everyone could put their apps on the side quest. We'd each send our own like community there and we'd each benefit from each other's community just for the, the purposes of feedback and still with the intent of, of finishing our game. Um, but it all just kind of rocketed from there and, and within six months, you know, SideQuest had like two hundred thousand monthly active users. Um, and it there probably weren't even you know, 500,000 headsets on the market at that point. So it was really, it really showed that there was a need for this alternative content store. Um, and, and I guess it was that point whenever Shane and I decided that this could really be a, a real thing. And, and we did in, at that point then shelve the game and, and progress with, with the platform. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's how Innocent it started. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. So Shane can be with us tonight, but Shane's your co-founder, right? Yeah, and husband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah awesome. Um, husband and wife team, that's great. And I, I heard a funny story, actually, that, that was being recounted of the early days when actually you started off building SideQuest just for a need yourself. You were actually doing two other yeah. jobs, right? Yeah, we, we both individually had our own careers. And um Sheehan approached me and he said, listen, the SideQuest stuff is, is, is so busy right now that I'm going to need to quit my job. And um, yeah, it was a bit like, uh, we just bought a house. Are you serious? Um, and obviously it wasn't making any money and then, you know, it still isn't. So it was like, okay, um, let's have a chat about this. And at the time, 
I asked him if, like, what data he had to, like, show me that, you know, it was busy. And he, he didn't even have, like, anything built into this night to show the traffic. So we put Google Analytics on and realized we had these, like, crazy user numbers. And at that point, he was like, I'm going to need you to quit your job, too. And we're going to have to do this together because I need your operational skill set. And that was it, really. We both took a major leap of faith. And... uh yeah, it just kind of all happened from there. Did you did you go out and start from a fundraising point or a financial point? Did you fundraise or did you just decide that we're going to bootstrap it and, and see how it goes and then maybe start talking to investors? Well, we had some savings, so that was kind of our like, we'll make we'll spend the savings and if it still isn't working, you know, we'll drop it. But at the time, I just went straight out. It was like the week before Christmas in 2019, and I just started talking to anybody that would listen to me because I had never been on a venture route before. I'd always worked in bootstrap businesses. I didn't understand it, but I knew that these numbers were just crazy. And um, the more people I spoke to, the more that they introduced me to others, and it just kind of all like progressed from there. Um, and eventually we got onto an accelerator in, in Belfast, the Ignite Accelerator. And that was like a baptism of fire. That was like an education in all things venture. And um, we came out the, the, uh, the other side of that after 12 weeks and raised our pre-seed round. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, we definitely went in really not knowing what we were doing, how things were done, what venture was, and you know, Within a few months, we had a, a pre-seed round. Yeah, awesome. Right, I think it's striking. I think a lot of the best startups are ones that are born out of problems. I think all too often in, in VR or certainly new technologies, it's tempting just to, wow, there's a great technology. What could we build? And it's almost like a, a solution looking for a problem. Whereas you guys, there was one of these kind of, you know, pants on fire problem. It's like these developers just couldn't get onto the store. So maybe you can take us through what, what was SideQuest initially solving and how's the product evolved? So I think initially we built SideQuest just to get feedback on our own game and help others get feedback. Um, the initial problem of the curated app store, uh, I guess the best way that I can describe it is that Oculus had had Rift and it had Go and those stores weren't necessarily curated and there was, they were a bit chaotic and it was hard to find content. So their strategy for, for Quest was let's let's curate the life out of it so that when users get this flagship device that they have a really positive experience and that maybe that will be what propels VR a little bit further. Um, so at the time, you know, we were mad about getting rejected, but it wasn't until maybe like a year later we were like, look, that was absolutely the best strategy for that device because as much as it pains me to say it, the high quality apps and everyone talking about, you know, the amazing experiences they were having did did shift VR up, up a gear. So um, I think it was good that like SideQuest was there for everything else that was a little experimental um, or maybe unfinished and just needed like a, a proof of concept. Quest was kind of like the skunk works, right? It was all the things Oculus didn't know it wanted yet. Um, and then it eventually realized it absolutely wanted and needed it. <laughs> and, and that's why App Lab now exists. Um, and so, you know, we've been talking to Oculus as far back as 2019 about creating a better channel than sideloading. Um, and App Lab is, is, 
you know, is the end result of those conversations for, for over a year. Um, and yeah, I guess that's the best way I can explain it is that yeah. SideQuest is like where you come and experiment, where you learn what your users want and need from your app. And then hopefully that's what helps you get onto the store is, is that kind of early community. You mentioned that you got initially uh, rejected and, and didn't get any feedback, but ever since, did you did you create a partnership or, or did you were you able to kind of start a, a fruitful dialogue with with Oculus uh, ever since? Yeah, we actually I think we started talking to Oculus back possibly September October time twenty nineteen, so it was it was quite early on with SideQuest. You know, we were obviously quite nervous. Like, are we doing something wrong? We didn't want to get into their bad books, but we didn't feel like we were doing anything wrong. So we just contacted them and we said, look, you know, is, there, is this cool for now? And they were like, yeah, it's cool for now. Um, and, you know, we did live with that fear right through like the early parts of 2020 that obviously you could see in the media, people going, oh, SideQuest is dead, and Oculus is just going to turn it off and whatever. And, you know, it gets in your head a little bit. We got a little paranoid about it, but at the same time, in the background, we were having these conversations that seemed positive and we felt reassured. And so we just kept believing that everything was going to be okay. And, you know, we're two and a half years old now and everything's still okay so yeah. far. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, there, there's a lot more to SideQuest. You know, when I speak to developers, a big part of SideQuest is, well, actually, we can launch somewhere early before we hit store. And for a multi-user game, it might be about building community. Or for other developers, it might just be about getting feedback from a group of dedicated people who have, you know, tried lots of different apps out. The same way that people launch web apps on or mobile apps on Product Hunt, SideQuest is an equivalent for that. So maybe talk us a bit more about how developers have found utility, you know, beyond just allowing someone to get the app on. Yeah, I mean, I think what I understand Oculus are looking for is not just, hey, you've got a great concept, we'll give you money to help you build it. They also want to know that like the developers who they may have never heard of before, maybe they're a solo dev or a small team, they also want to know that they can scale. So they don't want to just like hand out money to like a small team and then suddenly like the team are like, oh, we don't have a clue what we're doing and the money's just gone, you know? So SideQuest is a lot more than just, yeah, putting your app on a headset. It's Oculus are watching and thinking like, right, okay, they've nailed the concept. They seem to know a little bit about marketing. They've managed to retain their users. Um, the devs are scaling, they're adding features, they're moving at like a steady pace. And it's things like that that I think catch their eye. So it isn't, it isn't just about having a great idea. It's also yeah. about the execution of the idea. Yeah. But it's, if I also think, I mean, some of the, the apps that I've used a lot that I first had from SideQuest, like someone like HyperDash, for example, that was all about yeah. they were doing regular play testing. They were really building that community whilst kind of figuring out, well, you know, when are we ready then to, to go out, you know, for stream release. So I think it's, it's been really interesting. And then the other side, of course, is just more the kind of the marketing to the community. So from a, a user point of view, SideQuest seems to be a place where you can go, where it's more just about discovery of the applications. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely more about discovery and community for us personally. Um, we feel like users come because they are looking for something a bit different or you know, maybe they're, they're out of cash that month, they want to try and find some free cool experiences, or there is actually a really amazing 
part of the community for VR that like wants to be the first to try a game. They want to be the first person in the channels telling people try out this this game. Like we've seen it with Gorilla Tag. It just kind of it was only on the store like a few weeks and it just was literally rippling through every single community out there. So it was very community driven. Um, and it's pretty exciting to, to watch things like that happen. And it was similar with Hyperdash, Puzzling Places, Smash Drums, Deism, you name it. Like these, these apps that were getting picked up by the store, like we knew from very early on that they were going to just because their traction was at like this warp speed and it was, and it was amazing. Yeah. What's your view on discoverability and, and curation? Is it just mainly like driven by community and that drives kind of what what gets front page? And I mean, you have huge numbers and, and a huge number of apps. So how, what's your view on, on how people can discover the coolest things? Discovery is an, inc an incredibly difficult challenge. There really isn't a right way to do it. Someone benefits, someone misses out. We've tried different things, but Ultimately, what we've we've done with SideQuest is that user ratings and reviews, um, amount of downloads, we've got like an algorithm that will help push people up the list. You know, this, how many downloads they've had in the shortest amount of time, etc. So we've looked at like lots of different things that would make something be like hot for the moment or like over time. It's also really popular. Um, but yeah, I feel like that that's where the community really plays a role. Like. Don't just come to SideQuest and grab something and go. It's the same with the store. If you come and you get it, leave a review, leave a rating, do something because those things really help developers. That feedback really helps developers. And then that's what the community aspect is about. It's about how you can help. So you don't have to necessarily like fully play test the game, but even just going in and saying like, yeah, it wasn't for me, but the graphics were great and the devs were nice. You know, it all still matters. Yeah, and and for that because I know we have some some game devs in the in the audience watching the the live recording here. What are some tips like if they're thinking about right? I've got a game. I now want to get it on SideQuest. Can they approach you directly to you know to talk about like editorial? Can I pay to have my content featured? Or what are some of the tactics that that you encourage developers to approach you with to to get get more visibility uh, amongst the other applications? Yeah, um, well, we do lots of free stuff. I'll maybe go over that that first of all. But basically, when a developer first comes to SideQuest and they get onboarded onto the platform, they'll either meet either myself or, or Kelly, um, who looks after developer experience. And at that point, we'll let the developer know, listen, you know, we, we do a lot of free stuff. We can do free banners. We have staff picks. But you can tag us on every social channel at SideQuest VR. We'll retweet stuff out, like tag us as often as you like with new content, updates, whatever it might be. We also offer things like a key exchange for paid devs. Paid devs have it a little tougher, right, than free content. Free content can get up the rankings pretty quick because it's free. Paid developers have to work a little harder to convince a user to buy their game. But we offer like a key exchange, which gives them credit on our promotion system. Um, we pay the full value of the game as well so that the developer can kind of start to learn how to market with paid advertising. Um, right. They can also pay into that, but to be honest, like it's not something that we like heavily promote. We see it more as a tool to just help these developers learn what the marketing side is. Cause again, that's something that, you know, Oculus are, are, are looking at too, like, mm -hmm. you know, how engaging are you? How many, how is your audience growing? And if you're not marketing, you can just get lost in the mix. So mm -hmm. yeah, lots of free stuff. And then also the promotions platform is there too. But, but we are here, like 
anytime like just join our dev discord and talk to kelly talk to me talk to shane like talk to anybody that listen talk to other devs everybody's just learning this as they go we are too i'm not you know i'm not afraid to admit that but we'll help if we can if if there are launches and things coming up we'll, we'll do what we can and it seems like you guys are really growing quickly um how many users how many apps do you have and and to the numbers that you can share how's been that growth curve has it been you know quicker than expected or on track yes yeah, been a pretty exciting growth to be honest we're up over 1 million monthly active users now and, and those are unique so i know some people are like that can't be possible but mm. it is um we're still not sure how many headsets are on the market i think recently it was estimated maybe around 5 million because of the um facial interface recalls uh so there's no way of really knowing but what we do think we have a substantial audience on sidequest and like 1 million users if you're on there if you're visible if you're in a staff pick if you're on a, a banner if you're promoting we are going to be seen and i, I do know that developers do feel that benefit mm. can you can you talk us through a little bit about what what are the most requested features um, from the community and what you view yourself as kind of the, the next exciting step with when it comes to, to product? Um, yeah, I mean, we're out talking to the community at the minute. There's lots of ideas. There's lots of ways we could take SideQuest. But I think ultimately our main focus is to connect users and developers in meaningful ways. And so I know that one of the big community requests is potentially things like play testing or just giving feedback with, with developers. So we're having a look at what kind of product we can build there that might make that easier. Um, also, like users just like the sense of community. Um, they kind of want to know what's happening, where it's happening, events, whatever it might be. So we definitely have you know a lot of ideas for the platform. Um, we also do like things on our Discord, like daily giveaways and weekly giveaways of content and hardware and things like that. We're going to move that onto the SideQuest platform as well, um, just so that the bigger audience can engage. And it'll be an opportunity for developers to kind of get their games out to the masses um, in, in giveaways and build up a little bit of excitement. So there's definitely like lots of things that we're thinking about. Um, but ultimately, it's about connecting developers and users. And also connecting hardware with developers and then connecting, you know, influencers with developers and with users. And so it's really a very like central hub, very community orientated. Uh, and that's kind of where we want to take SideQuest over the next few years. Yeah. Awesome. So let, let's maybe zoom out a little bit from the product and just look at the market because you have such a great great oversight on it now obviously you were solving a problem specifically for oculus users at the beginning right but the market is much bigger than that you have you have steam you have vive has vive port mm -hmm. we're seeing new hardware come out all the time uh, htc actually launched some really exciting looking immersive glasses which cater to a different kind of non-gaming audience you've got pico just got acquired by ByteDance, so it's a really kind of dynamic and interesting time how do you see that like are you uh, do you think you'll start working increasingly with other hardware vendors and yeah how do you just see that market overall and, and the dy dynamics that are playing out this year um i think like everyone else we're waiting for the big quest competitor to emerge um we talked to all the hardware providers that are out there regularly um and i guess we're just kind of patiently waiting to see who's going to step up and and you know take on the challenge um i'm pretty excited about 
the conceptual stuff that's being talked about, like maybe Apple are going to have a device that could be a game changer. We're seeing things like links coming out of um, France as well, which could also be a game changer. It just really depends. But ByteDance acquiring Pico is an incredibly positive signal, I think, you know, if another social giant could potentially have the funds to, to do that and potentially then keep hardware prices low. Yeah, Pico is probably well-placed to go head-to-head with Facebook and then PlayStation doubling down on their commitment. I think all of those things for me indicate, when I think about an investor perspective, it feels like we're at a time in the market where there is more revenue to be had and more users, like a million monthly active just in SideQuest shows to me that a developer can go and raise money, build a great game and, you know, build a big business but it's at this sweet spot where it's not like if you're if you're the next the the n plus one free-to-play mobile game developer you're, you're having to raise money just for user acquisition and fighting for your place on the app store feels like it's still small enough that you can I mean, beat sabers the the you know the best example you know three or four people in czech republic do something really excited that's native to the vr format and you've got You've got that clear space. Now, that window will probably shut in the next year to 18 months as some of the bigger studios come and places like Sidekiss get busier. So, yeah, I'd love to hear your take on that, like just the timing. Like if you're if there's a young developer or a you know entrepreneur in the in the audience, like is now a good time to be starting their business? I think now is is the right time for VR and for starting to think about building Um we're seeing games like every single day. There's just new apps and new apps being submitted. So I, I think now's the time because it's only going to get busier. It's the same as like the app stores, Google Play Store and things like that. They just get busier and busier and busier. And suddenly when you're Googling for a game, you're going to find 20 to 50 options for that style of game instead of two or three that we maybe have now. What types of games are you seeing that are really like hitting a sweet spot and, and getting a lot of attention and then maybe follow up to, to that. What, what is it outside of games that, that you're seeing a lot on <clears throat> getting attention and traction? So I think first person shooters just always, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think anybody will ever beat first person shooters, but they, they just work so well for VR. Um, so generally those games do, do perform well. Um, I think, the fitness category is an exceptional category. I feel like fitness in VR is going to be an absolutely yeah. huge market in the years to come. I'm pretty excited what a lot of our devs are doing. Um, personally, have played a lot of the apps myself. I've, I've even done like VZ Fit on the store, cycling around in Google Maps, and you know things like rhythm games. Of course, just so perfect for mm. VR and great for fitness as well. So there's definitely like fitness and first person shooters. And then the puzzles too, to be honest, because people like a little bit of a conundrum. They like a little bit of a challenge. Um, the puzzle games, definitely on I the I love puzzling places. Well. I get I get so relaxed oh, when so I, I can lose myself <laughs> for two hours just stitching together these beautiful different places. Yeah, it's like a race against time for the headset to die, <laughs> trying to get a puzzle done. But yeah, I love yeah. I love puzzling places. Absolutely love it. Um, I just think it's genius. And again, you know, yeah. that was something that they built. It was supposed to be a different product. And of course, it turned mm. into puzzling places. And like, wow, mm. you know, amazing. So, um, and then you asked about like outside of gaming. Yeah. I think the meditation apps do have, have a place, you know, and I think 
places where you can watch content as well, obviously like your Netflix and your Amazon Prime and, and versions of media players and things. Definitely there's there's a market there as well for that kind of multi-use device. Yeah. And, and I know, I mean, just to touch on this briefly, I know, you know, a lot of this has been app driven, but we also have WebXR and the kind of increasing standards there. Like, what's your kind of high level view on that? Is that something that we'll see more of? Um, or will, will this kind of ecosystem be more app driven in the short term? I think WebXR is pretty exciting, to be honest. Um, you know, you've, you've apps like uh, or the WebXR platform Moonrider, which probably is one of the, the best performing WebXR um, apps. It, it, has a, it has a lot of potential, but it also has a lot of limitations. Um, so I think if you want to go for like the high end, high quality, and you want to eventually get on the store, you probably need to go the app route rather than the WebXR route. But that's not to say that that won't be inch down the line. And there's other things you can do with WebXR other than, than gaming that can mm -hmm. kind of translate. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I want to touch on the, the, the M word, which is the big buzz at the moment, metaverse. You know, Tim Sweeney saying they're building the metaverse. Mark Zuckerberg saying Facebook is going to be a metaverse company. Like lots of companies are uh, kind of stepping their toe into the metaverse arena. And I think in VR, my first true metaverse experience was being in, a, in an app called Engage. Uh, we were kind of hanging out in a virtual club room and then we walked through a door and we were immediately taken to a specific course on uh, Topgolf, uh, ProPart, uh, which was like, oh, wow, actually, yeah, I'm going from one game to the other, which which felt like a, a true metaverse in VR. But what does metaverse mean to SideQuest? What, what does it mean to SideQuest, if anything? I think the metaverse is just a series of connections and I think what we're doing, connecting users with developers within apps, outside of apps, across social, I think that's that's my version of the metaverse. That's our contribution to it. So I do think it's it's really, the metaverse is, is a network. It, you know, it's like the early internet. It's a network of things that just connect in together um, or, or lead on to something or influence another thing, start a conversation elsewhere. Um, so that, yeah, that's my idea of the metaverse. It's, it's already started, it's already in motion. We're, we're all in it already. Yeah. Uh, did you use um, the word metaverse in your, in your slide deck when you were raising from, from investors? And if, if yes, <laughs> no, did yeah. that get <laughs> negative so. feedback? <laughs> I don't think yeah, they that... actually used it, but yeah. <laughs> A great, a great question and a, a good segue. I think we, we should probably spend the last five minutes just talking about your fundraise. Um, you know, you, you announced on the, on the day of recording, you've just, just announced your $3 million fundraise. We heard that you went through an accelerator. Maybe you can talk us through that journey. Like why, why an accelerator at the beginning? How did that help? How did you raise your next fund? And I know you had some, some great angel investors in there, which I'd, I'd love to talk about. And then let, let, let's move on to the most recent raise and, and what that means and, and how investors are kind of seeing this market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that the accelerator really taught us what venture was. We got to speak to a lot of people during that 12 week process and really learning that like you can get investment even if you don't have revenue and you may not have revenue for a few years. So people also invest in something that may make money in the future. And so um, we confidently entered our pre-seed round at that point thinking like, okay, well, we definitely have numbers and people seem to be excited about it. And so we'll raise this money. 
Um, and we had Palmer, of course, Palmer Lucky, the original founder of Oculus, come on board to pre-seed, um, which, was, which was another element of validation for us that we were definitely doing something um, right. And, and so we, we used that pre-seed money to kind of build out more of a team and just keep iterating on side quests. And of course, Quest 2 launched and then Christmas came last year and, you know, everything was amplified by the pandemic. And so this kind of VR and AR space for investors just suddenly became like really, really interesting because we're moving into this kind of new age of communication. Um, so coming into 2021, you know, we'd survived the pandemic. Uh, we'd raised the pre-seed round while all of that was going on. We were still growing our user base. Um, you know, we were in prime positions to, to raise again, and we knew that if our numbers kept going the way that they were going, that we would have to raise sooner than we anticipated as well. So yeah, I, you do definitely just get a feeling that it's time to raise because of the amount of inbound you start to get from investors. So we had a lot of people asking for calls and things. So eventually I was like, okay, let's just start the process um, and see how we go. And it's a little bit of a learning curve when you first start because you don't know what you're going to get hit with and you just don't have the answers sometimes you just there's a lot of curveballs so it's really not until maybe like week two or week three of the of the conversations so you start to kind of hit your stride um and you start to get a feeling for what like investors are responsive to and then you start to really appreciate like what questions you should ask up front so you're not wasting everybody's time <laughs> like uh do you invest in vr are you actually interested in it are you interested in content are you interested in platform are you interested in community like vcs actually um have very specific goals i didn't really know about this like they write these kind of things that like this is what we're this is what we're going to invest in and so there's no point in having a conversation for an hour with someone and then finding out at the end that you know they're not really interested in like platform level community stuff they're actually only interested in like enterprise level you know whatever so yeah it's it's a bit of a learning curve when you when you start fundraising but i find it like a really exciting process as, as much as it's stressful it's quite exhilarating as well especially when you get into conversations with investors who just get it like i talked to you earlier about some of our investors from this round in fact all of them who, who committed we would just get on a call with them and we could have talked for hours, you know, with people like Citar at Connect and we had Sean and Rogan at ProFinders and with Chris Lee come on as an angel and you would just get on a call and like there was just so much information, so much excitement and um, you really just knew it was a natural fit and that really helps too that when you find one that you know is a natural fit that when you get on a call with someone that isn't then you're just kind of like, okay, like we know this isn't going to work so like... Um, it's about kind of cutting your losses as early as possible so that you can keep having the conversations you want to be having, that you enjoy having, um, and hopefully that they end in money on the table. Yeah, I mean, the, the good tips already for, for some of the founders to actually, for founders to also ask questions from the BC. So it's not just a one-way street, but it's a dialogue. And, yeah. And, and it's really, really important. You're in it for the long haul with the, your investors, so it's really important to find the right chemistry and not just go for somebody who would be able to write a check for you. Absolutely. And one of the things that I noticed about the investors that did eventually come on board is that 
right from your first conversation with them, they come back, they want to book in another appointment time, they want information from you, that you want extra data, they want links to more, you know, let's go to another call, I want to bring in my, my colleague. If investors aren't like also working to meet you like halfway, like they should be out there educating themselves too about what you're doing and about the space that you're in. Um, so we've always went with investors that we've, like they were connecting us with people to get like second opinions. They were out asking for advice from people like yourself, Dave, as well. Um, you know, they're out there going like, what do you think of SideQuest? They're doing their homework. And that's when you know it's an investor that's possibly gonna like go all the way, either be your lead investor or, or put money on the table because they're intrigued. They're, they're investing their time to find out about you. Um, so if an investor's just out there going, give me stuff, give me stuff, I don't understand, explain it to me again. What did you mean? You know, if 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 they're not getting it, just drop it and move on. Just just keep looking because you could waste a lot of time trying to convince people of something, but ultimately if they're not excited from like the first conversation, they're probably not gonna get excited. And that's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's, congrats it's again on the raise. You know, ve very excited. Yeah. I mean, you've a great mm -hmm. set of investors on board. Can't speak high enough of the, of the investors you do have on board. And yeah, I'm sure there'll, there'll be a lot of exciting things to see from, from SideQuest in, in 2022 and beyond. Um, so I think we're, we're going to wrap things up here. We are recording live and we're going to go to the, the audience for some questions. But, um, you know, just to wrap up the recorded portion of this, um, you've been listening to, to Viewpoints. We've been here with my, my co-host, Petra Halme and, and Orla Harris from, from SideQuest. Thanks for your time. It's been really great to, to hear about the journey there. Um, if you're interested in what we've been talking about, um, then, you know, come and find us. We're on Twitter. I'm at, I'm at Haynes underscore Dave. Um, Orla, where can people find SideQuest? Or are you guys on Twitter? Yeah, at SideQuest VR. You can find us on all social platforms. And we've also got a uh, Discord server as well. Perfect. Petri, where can we find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at P. Raya Halme, and, and I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, Petri Raya Halme. Yeah, awesome. And so we're FOV Ventures. You can hear the previous episodes at medium.com forward slash viewpoints dash podcast. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next time.